Breaker one-nighter out there on them interwebs. You got to get your ears on for the Fitness Skills Podcast from GMB. We're going to teach you how to get strong by practicing skills you actually care about and how to have fun in the process. I'm Andy Fawcett. I'm not only the founder of the GMB Posse, I'm also a client. And here with me is the hero of the GMB Epic Saga, Ryan Hurst, our program director and head coach. Ryan is doing a smoky check on I-95 right now. Ryan, are there any Smokies with ears on? Oh, we got a we got a guy coming down the road there, so you might want to be careful on I twenty four coming in there. So, uh, yeah, we're good. All right, the Smokies. Cool. Speaking of Smokies, I was on the way to the gym this morning, and um, you know, summer is on the way here in Osaka because I saw a woman who's probably about maybe eighty years old with bright green hair. So she's getting ready for summer and was smoking hot. So. You gotta love Osaka. Yeah, Osaka has an interesting sense of fashion. I yeah. I'll give them that. People people in the states and Europe, I think when they think if they know anything about you know uh, Japanese fashion, they tend to think of Harajuku and yeah. Yeah. all that. And yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on there. But Osaka is like a whole different world because it's like 90 year old Harajuku rejects. <laughs> and and yeah, it's it's so awesome. As long as you've got your leopard print jeans or your leopard print shoes or whatever on you're good to go here in Osaka. Well, so. the best thing about about it really to me though is that you know that they're not paying more than $15 for anything <laughs> they wear. But but they would love to tell you how many hundreds they spent. Yes. They're yes. so full of it. Yes. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's like, you got to love this it. jacket I paid five hundred dollars for this jacket. Bullshit! <laughs> you paid something like eighty nine cents for that jacket. <laughs> anyway, oh man. So uh, we've got a few cool things we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about control, following, confidence, uh, how to practice in a way that builds your confidence. Um, we're going to talk about combining rings and parallettes. Don't cross the streams. And um, all kinds of other good stuff. Uh, so speaking of rolls, tell us about the sushi roll thing that you uh, put together for Alpha Posse last week. You, you betcha. Let me see a sushi roll. I thought, you know, we should have put that song in there. Yeah, this uh, month, actually, the tutorial is the sushi roll. And basically what it is, is we're looking at controlled falling. Sounds kind of funny, but basically gaining the confidence to be able to feel comfortable when rolling on the ground. And uh, one of the examples I gave in there was uh, in Japanese, what they call ukeme, ukemi, pardon me. And uh, basically what that is, is let's say if you fall and you need to roll out of of something, a roll out of that fall, uh, you can do it comfortably with confidence and not hurt yourself. That's what we covered this month's tutorial. That's awesome, and it's a really it's a really valuable thing. Actually, I posted on the forum uh, last night. I think that basically, my father actually taught me a lot of break falls and stuff when I was really young because cool. he was practicing a martial art at the time that focused on that kind of thing, and uh, that saved my neck as a child so many times. Uh, literally, yeah, literally, my neck and other portions of my anatomy. Um, but if you haven't learned this stuff yet, I mean, at whatever age you are, uh, learning how to take a fall and how to avoid injuring yourself in the process and sort of distribute that force and everything is really, really important. And if you yeah, look so at important. Really old people, when their bones begin to get brittle, what's the, what's the thing that always happens? They fall down and break their hip and then it gets infected and end up in the hospital for like months and can't heal, right? Well, 
I'm not saying that they should be trying to do gymnastic tumbling and stuff, but <laughs> if if you know a little bit more about how to <coughs> fall gracefully, which almost sounds like an oxymoron though, but but you can do it, right? And maybe mitigate some of that risk. Yeah, so important. And my dad actually works in some some nursing care homes and things for his job. And, and this is something that he mentioned to me years and years ago. And he said, you know, more of these people should know how to fall. And just like what you said, it might not sound, you know, kind of sounds strange. You know, we want to get all these elderly people to start working on gymnastics. No, we just want people to learn how to fall and do it with confidence so that they don't hurt themselves. And I think every single person out there should know how to do this. So that's, that's why we did this tutorial. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, because like the the instinct when you fall is like stick the hand out, right? Exactly. And we all have seen people get massively messed up, like breaking elbows and stuff. Yeah. When they they do that, uh, so yeah, that's a really useful thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on. Um, what else has been going on, Ryan? We got Daniel's Hand Balance Workshop. Daniel, uh, for those of you who don't know, he is a GMB trainer, and he's located in San Jose, California. He's doing a great job recently. He had a hand balance workshop. It seemed to go very well. Um, Of course, I couldn't be there, but very excited for what Daniel is doing. And you, if you are in that area, please check him out. Yeah, and also, I think coming up, he's hosting... Uh, his and your coach Steve for uh, a workshop in the body practice, which is going to be very interesting, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, very cool stuff going on in the San Jose area. If you're around there, check out Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of trainers, also we got another GMB trainer candidate, um, Dustin from South Africa. Looking forward to working with him. So it's actually lots, our lots second trainer candidate in South Africa. That's pretty That's exciting. right. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. We're going to have to have a GMB safari. Yeah, I like that. Let's go to Africa. Cool. All right, so Ryan, I want to ask you just straight up, man. How many pull-ups can you do? I can do 131 pull-ups if someone is holding my feet. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny yeah, interesting because, question. Yeah, yeah. yeah we you know, get it, we get people yeah. that they they see us teaching one thing and they make a lot of assumptions about stuff. So, uh, like you know, on YouTube, of course, the assumption is that you're Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. Especially recently, it's so funny. I love it because you know, every day I wake up pretty much, and it's like. Oh, Nicholas Cage. At and least once a day we get a Nick Cage comment on yeah. one of our videos. It's it's yeah, almost it's so getting ridiculous funny. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, especially, you know, getting back to the how many pull-ups and stuff you can do, it's those assumptions and thinking that because we teach something, you know, one movement, we're saying that you should do hundreds and hundreds of them. And um, you know, really, how many pull-ups can you do? I don't care. Just as long as you can do them well and do them properly. Yeah, and here's and, the thing. When you can't do any pull-ups, how many pull-ups you can do is really important because you want to get to one. Yes. And yes. when you can only do one pull-up, being able to get to two is really important. And getting up to five makes a big difference. And getting up to ten pull-ups, if you can be strong enough to get ten pull-ups, that's really great. Above ten pull-ups, it really depends on what your goals are for practicing more reps of that movement, right? Now, I'm not saying sure, you should sure. quit pull-ups. But, 
you know, trying to get 11, trying to get 15, trying to get 20, that's valuable for some things, but maybe not as valuable for other things. So how many pull-ups you can do really kind of assumes that you're trying to do max reps of pull-ups, which uh, actually the way we practice, there's almost no reason to do that. Sure. You know, if you've got to do it for a test, let's say a physical test, like maybe if you're going into, let's say, the <clears throat> pardon me, the police academy or maybe for the military. Um, yeah. Get to work on cranking out your pull ups and your push ups and I assume your sit ups. <clears throat> pardon me. But if you're just looking to improve your skill, get stronger and just want to do cool stuff. The pull up is just a step you know, towards working towards some advanced movements. And so really, once you get 10 pull-ups, it's time to start working on the next level. And it's like that really with anything that we do. It's same with push-ups. You know, if you can crank out 10 really nice push-ups, then it's time to start working on the next level, yeah, whatever that and, may be for your goal. Yeah, and let me butt in a second too. If you can do 10 really crappy push-ups, then it's time to start working on making them nicer. Yes. You know, yeah. you don't want to start doing 20, 30, 50, 100 crappy, ugly as hell push-ups, which a lot of people seem to think is a good thing to do. But if you yeah. can do 10 ugly push-ups, all right, it's time to start working on actually doing one good one. And then yeah. from there, you, you start going up again. So every time you get to kind of like a, a baseline range of, of numbers, that's when it's time to start increasing the quality or difficulty or whatever, you know. Uh, there's there's no use in just like adding one more until you get to like I don't know thousands or whatever. <laughs> and you know we do use you know multiple reps for conditioning and things like that. We're not saying that you know you, you can't you should stop doing them. It's just that we always want to be sophisticating the movement and working towards the next level or cleaning up the movements that we're doing right now. So just like you said, if you you know if you're doing ten crappy push-ups then yeah it's time to start making those a lot nicer yeah definitely uh here's another question that we had recently via the emails the emails um you know why why don't we have a tutorial for muscle-ups on the bar it seems like a really basic thing and we've got muscle-ups on the ring so why not on the bar you know it is interesting you know i do think I think way back when I was in Thailand, when I was at the MoveNet course, I actually think I did something on the um, on the bar muscle, but I actually think it was on a tree branch. Doesn't matter. And the reason why is we can do tutorials till we're blue in the face, but really, you know, a tutorial isn't necessarily going to help you as far as really getting that skill. And what I mean by this is. Just showing you something as a tutorial and showing that skill and saying, okay, if you do this, you do this, you know, it, it, it's not the big thing. The big thing is the programming and making sure that you go out there and actually do the work. So there's tons of tutorials out there on the internet as far as, especially for doing a muscle up on the bar. And there's some damn good ones out there. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's just, Really, to me, showing you that I can kind of do it and showing you that here, this is this is what you do. So, again, it's just a matter of going out there and understanding the programming and what it takes to get going with it. So, 
I'm not being very clear. Sorry, but well, so I, you know, maybe I can clarify that because so here's the thing. Like for example, uh, our friend Daniel from Fit, Fitness Facts, Fitness FAQs yeah. on YouTube, yeah. uh, great guy, awesome channel, amazing videos, uh, and he so he has lots of tutorials on things like muscle ups or levers or whatever, and. In those few minutes of video, he can show you exactly how to do a muscle up. Mm-hmm. He can show you how to do all the mechanics, all the things you need to be aware of. But the thing he cannot do in those five minutes of you watching a video is give you the strength you need to do it. Yeah, and no one can do that. We're no not just saying can. that, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's not It's not Daniel. I mean, da- yeah. that's why I preface it. Daniel's a great guy. We're, we're actually really big fans of his. And I, I think he kind of likes us too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no one can make you strong by sitting and watching a video. Exactly. You know? There's things besides the how-to that are important in this. And actually, just this morning, we got an email from someone who downloaded one of our programs and asked a question. And I'm, I'm not making fun of her at all. Nothing wrong with this question at all. But she, she says she's been working on a particular movement for a while, watched our video, noticed some of the coaching cues and paid attention to them and then she tried them and still couldn't do it and that's perfectly natural because she's going to have to practice them more and that's just what it takes is it's knowing how to do something is part of it but getting your body where it's able to do something is the other side of the coin and sometimes that getting able to do stuff takes a lot longer and that's why we focus on good programming uh building up the skills in a strategic fashion rather than just saying, here's a progression for A, here's a progression for B, and making those completely separate, our progressions for A and B are kind of intertwined as you go through the program. So uh, anyway, that's and another key point. But, and another key yeah. point in there is you got to get out there and you got to do it. You yeah. got to practice. You know, it, it is funny. I mean, we it's just like Andy said, we get emails sometimes where people are like, I tried this, I can't do it. Okay, well, did you try it just once? I mean, seriously, this sometimes isn't something that you're just going to get overnight. And so it might take a month. It might take two months. I mean, look at me. You know, I tried a one-arm handstand and I couldn't do it on my first try. Well, shit. No kidding. Okay. You know, things like this take time too. So just because you watch a video and you understand what needs to happen in order to get it doesn't mean that you sh- you know should or are necessarily going to be able to get it first try. So yeah. you got to practice that shit. And here's the thing. I've seen Billy Joel live in concert like a dozen times. I know that makes me like a giant dork. I'm a huge Billy Joel <laughs> fan. Um, but and you, I, I'm about to put my hand over my heart and sing Allentown right now, okay? Um, but you know what? I would never step up to a piano and expect that I could recreate that and just play it because I've seen Billy play it a dozen times. Yeah. It just does not work that way. <clears throat> All right. So... I think we've beaten this horse to death. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, Here's another one uh, that we actually get in many forms, many times, uh, but it came up again a couple days ago, so I added it in. Uh, So you say not to combine rings and parallettes programs, but lots of people train with both without any problems. Uh, So I guess they're saying lots of people use rings and parallettes. I don't mean at the same time, literally, but I mean in the same workout. Um, Sure, sure. And without any difficulty, yet we're telling people don't combine rings one and parallels one. So what's the deal with that? Seems like yeah, it's think, working for these yeah. other people, right? Yeah. So I, actually, I think we should change everything we do and start, you know, combining everything, the tools. Then we'd have a perfect program, of course. Yeah, um, and I think that it, yeah. uh, by the same token, every time from now on, I go 
and get Chinese takeout, I should also then take those little like uh, those little containers, those paper boxes of Chinese takeout. I should then take them to the pizza place and also get a large pizza and then take my Chinese takeout to the p- and my pizza, take that over to a burger joint and sit down and yeah. try to eat all three in one meal. And that's a great idea. And I'm sure that it would taste wonderful. It would be so awesome. Yeah. And yeah, we're joking. But basically, I think the thing here is that people are misunderstanding what we're talking about. We're not talking and saying that you shouldn't, you know, use rings or parallettes maybe in the same workout. We're looking at the programming. There's a specific reason why we're just using the rings, and that is because the program was designed for the rings. So, yeah, if you want to use parallettes and rings in the same workout, that's cool. You know, you can do that. But if you want to take our Rings 1 program and our P1 program and just mix it all together, I don't recommend that. That's kind of what we're getting at. And that's what Andy was talking about as far as mixing up Chinese food with a pizza, with a burger joint kind of thing. You know, focus on one meal at a time, one one genre of food at one time. And, you know, sure, you can mix and match if you want to go to a buffet. But really, you're probably going to overeat and you're not going to feel too good afterwards. And it's the same way with working out. If you try and mix everything together, it's really not going to do you too, you know, too good the next morning. So focus on the programming. That's the most important thing that we're getting at. So that's why we recommend not mixing up R1 and P1. Exactly. And like you mentioned the buffet, I mean, you know, I love a good buffet because I can eat like a horse. But here's the thing. If I'm given the choice between the kind of like dried out beef that's on the buffet and a really great steak that's all on its own plate and, you know, separate thing, I would rather have the steak than go and have a buffet. Right. So that's kind of what we're saying with our programs. Right. Don't just try to mix a bunch of crap together. Have a damn steak. And then yep. tomorrow yep. night in your next cycle, after you finish Rings 1, when you're ready for the next meal, have a damn burger or a pizza yep. or a yep. lasagna or I, none of this shit is paleo, dude. Sorry, I mean, we don't we don't eat carbs here. <laughs> no, no, um, not at all. But you got to realize that like rings one and parallels one, just to go back to that example and just be super specific. Both of them do movements that could be classified as pushes. Both of them yeah. do movements that while they might not be classified as pulls, for example, in P1, they work the same muscles as many pulling movements. So yeah. rings one has push-ups in it. Parallettes one has push-ups in it. Now, they're in practice different, but if you just add rings one and P1 together, you're doing twice as many push-ups as you should be doing. Yeah, and, and remember, it's not just about doing push-ups and working your pecs and working your tries. What we're doing here is skill work. And so we're always trying to work towards being able to do a particular skill. And just by doing a bunch of push-ups on the parallettes and then going doing a bunch of push-ups on the rings isn't necessarily going to help you for the particular skill that we want to get on the rings or on the P-bars. Sure, they, there is an overlap to some of the things that we're doing, but... Just like Andy said, focus on that one thing. Once you get that, you can go on and focus on the next thing. Absolutely. And the more you focus on a particular movement set or a particular movement style or a particular kind of exercise or whatever, the more you really focus on mastering that one thing at a time, 
that really breeds complete control and ownership of that movement and confidence in your ability to do it. It's not like if somebody asks you if you can, you know, jump over a flaming pit and you you kind of step back and you look at it, you're like, hmm, I I, mm, I don't know. You kind of measure it and you say, well, I usually I can jump that far. Uh, but what if I'm wrong? You know, if you practice jumping a lot and you get really great at jumping and you just have total control of your jump and you're confident in your ability to jump, you know, you don't care if it's a flaming pit or spikes or poisonous snakes down there or not. You don't care. You're like, yeah, I can jump, whatever. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. what we're trying to get at with our movement, not avoiding snakes and spikes and stuff. But that feeling of confidence you have from owning your ability to move in certain ways. And, and another thing, too, I mean, I think we need to kind of talk about mastery in, in the sense that it doesn't necessarily. Well, I don't want to say that it doesn't need to be perfect because we want to work towards making things better. And by working towards making them better, we will gain that control and confidence. But we're not talking about working something to the point where. It's just, oh, it's got to be so much, you know, more perfect. Is that is that correct? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it just sounds funny right there. But um, it's it's a matter of just like what Andy's saying is is having that confidence to be able to do what we need to do and do it well enough to accomplish the task. So it, it's kind of like that eighty twenty rule. You know, that twenty percent. In making it up to 100, making it 100% perfect, that's a big, a big jump, actually, that 20% going from 80 to 100. So I'm not saying that we should half-ass things, but working towards that 80% and gaining that confidence and that control is really going to be, dare I say, enough for what we want to do. Yeah, and enough should not be confused with mediocre Exactly. At all what we're talking about. Nobody's saying you should just be satisfied with breathing every day. That's enough. You know, that's be fine with that. No, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying be mediocre. We're saying get to the point where you have gone beyond what's natural, gone beyond what's easy, and you've gained more control, you've gained more confidence, but get to the point where you can use it to the point that you're satisfied with that. Not exactly. to the point where it's you know, the perfect picture of the movement, unless that's what you really, really want to do. Yeah, exactly. And like I'm going to give myself an example, as an example, you know, my one arm handstand. I still continue every single day working on my one arm handstand. And the reason why is because I want to get towards that 100 percent. I want that, you know, being able to when I kick up there, legs, perfect toes pointed, arms like a bam, you know, that's what I want. And that's why I continue to work on it. But there's some other movements out there where, to be perfectly honest, you know, if I get it, that's that's that 80 percent level. And that's fine. You know, there's no I'm, I'm not saying there's no reason, but. For me, that's fine. There are other movements out there that if you spend the extra time to work towards getting that extra 20%, I think that's great. But just don't think that you need to do that with every single movement out there. Choose your movements wisely. Just make sure that you're working towards the movements to gain that control and that confidence to be able to get out there and have fun. I just love saying that, and I had to say it. All right. So let's talk about more specifically how can we we practice in a way – 
that's going to build this control and confidence because obviously just doing more and more might not get it. Like we said with the push-ups, you know, if you get 10 crappy push-ups and you just keep doing more crappy push-ups, you're not gaining any control or and you're probably not going to be feeling any more confident with your ability to really, you know, express strength or move well. So how can you practice in a way that's actually going to improve your control rather than just repeating the same uncontrolled movement again and again? Yeah, it's about having that mindfulness in your in your daily practice. And so and by practice, I'm talking literally practice the movement. And so when you go in there, you're not just going through the motions. You're you're even before you start the workout. You go in there and say, okay, this is what I need to do today, and this is where my focus needs to be. So when you go in there, it's it's focusing on the little things. For example, uh, what is your posture like? You know, that includes, you know, maybe on a push-up, where are your elbows? Are your shoulders pulled back? What kind of push-up are you doing? Okay. Are you squeezing your lower body? Making sure that your movements are smooth, controlled. How's your breathing? So these little things, a lot of things that you need to think about, but the little things that when put together will make everything better. And so it's about feeling the movement. It's not, again, about just going in there and cranking out the reps and saying, I'm going for 10. Doesn't really matter what they look like. I just got to get 10. No, it's about going in there and making sure that every single repetition is done as well as you can. And focusing on that mindfulness when you do it. Yeah, and just even to be more more and more detailed on ways to do this, for any movement that you just really want to gain control of, that you want to master uh, to whatever degree that you feel is appropriate, uh, but to really work on controlling a movement, a few things that you need to do are one is just slow it down. Trying yeah. to do things fast is a great way to do them without control uh, because – it's easier to control things when they're slow. Think about when you first started out driving, you know? <laughs> if you had just gone zero to 60 without knowing how to steer yet, you would have been in a world of problems, right? So you have to start out slow with your exercises and your movements as well. It's the same thing. As you increase speed, it becomes more difficult to control. So if you're trying to develop control, slow it down. And when you do, then it gives you time to pay more attention to how it feels, how do particular muscles feel, how does your balance feel overall, uh, what's, what's the sensation you get of your weight pressing against your hand on the floor, your foot on the floor, how does that feel, uh, you know, all of these things you get to pay attention to when you slow it down, and you can really work on moving more smoothly, and that's when you develop the control, that's where it comes from, is from slowing it down and just focusing on what it feels like in every area of your body and paying attention. That was a great example. I like that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So if we do these things, you know, how does this build? How, where does the confidence come from? So that's, that's how to build control. So let's now make a case, uh, Ryan, now that we've made this assertion that control breeds confidence. How does that work out? Well, sure. You know, it's it's actually just what you said earlier. Can you jump over that pit of spikes or whatnot? You know, it's it's not necessarily that that's what we want to do. You know, jump from building to building like Spider Man or something like that. But knowing exactly what you can do allows you to go out there and kind of go beyond, really. You know, and have actually have fun with what you're doing. Um, to give an example of is playing with your kids. 
going out there to the playground, if you know that you can comfortably go across the monkey bars, and that sounds silly, but there's a lot of people out there who can't, who can't use the monkey bars. And I hope everybody understands what I'm talking about when I'm talking about monkey bars <laughs> is, <clears throat> you know, going and trying to do that, you know, the next day, am I going to be able to get out of bed kind of thing? So when you go in there and you're, and you're conscious in your workouts and you understand, okay, this is how my body reacts to what I'm doing. Then when you go out there in the real world and, world and try and do something, you'll know that you can do it or you can't do it. And really, you know, I'm, I'm sure, Andy, that you'll talk more about this, but for example, failure. You know, going out there and and failing. That's important, too, because if you know what you can't do, then you can start working on building yourself up so that you can do it. Absolutely. And I just want to, for anybody who laughed at your monkey bar examples, like, oh, monkey bars are so easy. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah. You can't do monkey bars. Let me put it to you this way. How about this? Imagine you're standing on top of the monkey bars. Can you walk across them? Yeah, good. That's good. You can yeah. walk, can't you? Why the hell yeah. aren't you confident to walk on top of monkey bars? Yeah. It's because you haven't really developed the control of your balance as you walk. You know, you kind of take walking for granted. Most people do. And when most people are standing on top of something like a, a narrow beam or something and they try to walk, their balance goes crazy because they start freaking out. They don't have the confidence. And that's the kind this, of thing we're yeah. talking about. And this is actually a challenge that we did quite a while. I mean, it was one of our first challenges, I think. It wasn't that, really one of the first ones. But, yeah, it was a few months back yeah, in Alpha Posse was, where we uh, challenged yeah. everyone to practice developing their balance this way. Yeah, and so people found that, you know, walking on the ground is no problem. But once they get up on top of something, things change. And, and the only thing that changed really was that confidence factor, okay? Because really, you know, the only difference is that you're a couple feet off the ground, and that was it. So... Um, knowing exactly what you can do and yeah. then where your real limits are. That, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, and I also want to talk about, like you said, about failure uh, because you said I would talk more about failure. I don't <laughs> want to let anyone down now. People are holding their breaths, waiting, do it, do it, do it. dying for Andy to enlighten us about failure, please. All right, probably <laughs> I sincerely doubt anybody was really that excited about it. But here's the thing about failure. When would you rather fail? When you're practicing or in the real world? Probably when you're practicing. So that's what practice is about. It's about doing it as well as you can and finding where your failure point is, right? I mean, it's not about failing. I mean, obviously, you're practicing to get better. But one of the things you do when you practice is you get as good as you can. And at a certain point, you can't get any better. Well, that's your point of failure, Right, The point where you can't do it any better yet until you practice more. So by repeatedly practicing and being aware and paying attention to what you do, you're constantly aware of what your current capability is, of where your failure point is. So when you're out and unexpected things happen, you know exactly what you can and can't do. You know when something is outside of your range and you know what's inside your range. And this is something that it's not like a mental thing. It's not like you're walking along and a ninja jumps out and you're like, wait, stop. <laughs> What's my failure point in this situation? That's not how it is. But as you practice, your body and your subconscious becomes intimately aware with the, or of, of where you, you are at, of what you can and can't do. And you don't really have to think about it. You know, you, you just react in a lot of situations. But 
if you are aware and if you practice well, your body knows what it's capable of. And it will it will react accordingly. And you don't have to stop and think, hold on, ninja. Slow <laughs> up with that silent but deadly killing technique while I decide what to do. It's not really going to work. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, Ryan, talk more. Yeah, I'm just uh, sitting here thinking about that ninja. Now, you know, and something, <clears throat> this is actually why I like parkour. Because those guys, you know, I don't really practice i'll be honest with you but in a sense i do and what i mean by that is i am extremely confident in what i can do and i can't do i know pretty well if i can do something or if i can't and so you know looking at you know these youngins these days out there running in the city doing parkour and stuff like that i just think it's great because that's a true expression of uh, if done correctly, what I mean by correctly is when they train and make sure that they understand what they can and can't do without doing stupid shit. But looking at someone who's very good at that, they know exactly what they can do. And so when they jump from building to building or or flip off of something like that, they know the calculated risks because they've trained so much yeah. to be able to do that. So it's not that they're out there doing stupid shit. They really know exactly where they are. And if you as talk to anyone as... who genuinely practices parkour, uh, not just people who are, not just kids who see something on TV and start trying to do it, but sure. anyone who genuinely sure. practices parkour, that's the first thing they'll tell you, is that the basis of parkour is awareness of yourself and your environment and being able to, on the fly, be able to you know determine that stuff and move appropriately. It's not yeah. about doing gratuitous flips and stuff. I mean, if no, you can no. and you got the confidence, then yeah, it's fun. But a- anyone who's good at parkour will say the exact same thing that you did. Yeah, and, th- and that's what I think is, is a good example of what we're talking about, of understanding um, and having that confidence of knowing where exactly where and what you can do. So, Absolutely. Um, and so on that note... Actually, it's not on that note. I don't know. I was trying to make a transition there, and I I totally failed. I apologize for anybody listening to this for the awkwardness of what you're listening to right now. A man apologizing for the fact that he screwed something up that he probably could have just edited out of this whole thing. He wouldn't even notice. That's right. But here it is, and you're listening to it, and I'm sorry. Deeply, deeply sorry. <laughs> Another awkward silence there, yes. All silences are awkward when they should be filled with my beautiful voice. <laughs> so what do we got coming up? What do we got coming up? Um, you know, I'm going to take that awkwardness and, and change it here. Just want to make an announcement, let everybody know we got the GMB seminar coming up. So if you want information on that, be sure to check out Facebook. And... Uh, Looking forward to seeing lots of people in Seattle. That's where we're having the seminar. Yeah. I will be there. Uh, unfortunately, Andy won't be. I, but, I have a um, prior commitment in Finland. In Finland, yeah. So, But we will have the rest of the GMB crew there. In fact, I think pretty much everybody except Andy's going to be there, so we're just going to make fun of him the entire time. So it should be a fun seminar. So if you want to make fun of Andy, have a good time, <laughs> you know, some flips and stuff like that, please Come and hang out with us. That's fine. As I as I told Ryan and Jarlo when they planned this whole thing, I will be sure to text you guys plenty of pictures of me hanging out in the sauna with the Finnish women's team. <laughs> so, yeah, have fun, suckers. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, but other things we got on the horizon. We got T-shirts coming really, really soon. I promise. I'm so sorry it's taking so long. Thank you for your patience. T-shirts are happening. Uh, basically, Amber's setting it up like right now, and they will be available ASAP. Also, um, our movement multivitamin course we had. It was really damn good. Uh, yes. Everybody loved it, aside from one guy who totally missed the point. But, <laughs> you know, in, in a group of 100 people, one person totally missing the point is kind of par for the course, and that's okay. Uh, so that's fine. But everyone else really loved it, and actually uh, more than half of them said that they were just going to start and repeat the course again on their own and go from day one to day 28 again. Uh, and just repeat it to get more out of it. And I think that's awesome. But for those yep. of you who were not able to get in on it, you're in luck because we are currently taking what we learned from the first run, making it so much better, and we're going to be having that, uh, re-releasing it again soon. So stay tuned for that. Very awesome. Yeah, very, very excited. Say this about all the stuff, but really, I think the movement <coughs> multivitamin is... It, <sighs> It's it, it's if you want to get in to GMB, if you want to start, this is going to be the point where you start. And um, very exciting stuff. I'm not going to say too much about it, but we're redoing part of it, making it better, uh, making it a lot better so that everyone is going to love it. Everyone, not just 99% of the people, but 100% of the people are going to love it. Our goal really is to be loved by everyone. That's only yes. really, as a company we're about approval seeking. <laughs> so, yeah, bullshit. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's going to wrap us up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our posse. If you've learned something useful or simply found us mildly entertaining or just not all that annoying, we'd really appreciate you giving us a rating on iTunes. Give us somewhere between five and five stars if you think we were awesome. If you yeah, think we were awesome, you can give us less. But hey, if you don't think we're awesome, why bother going to iTunes and writing a review about it? That's it's right. It's a waste of your time. Anyway, you can find out more about the GMB method at goldmetalbodies.com. You can find out more about Ryan at goldmetalbodies.com, which I know you're dying to learn more about. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Laters. <laughs>